Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Bethany is is actually not wrapping up the Thought Life series. I'm going to continue it a couple more because we haven't even really yet gotten into the thoughts of the heart aspect. Yeah, you can turn me down just a hair. Um, which, you know, it's 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 a bit subjective, but I think there is enough scripture to look at to pull out a workable model and plan of thinking with your heart. Did that make sense? Like, like it's like, how do I think with my heart? See, the heart is interesting in that it's part soulish, it's part spirit, it's your inner being, it's the part that God, He takes out the old heart, He gives you the new heart, that old one was dead and wicked and deceitful, and the new one, and listen, this is a big revelation that the body of Christ needs to wake up to. Your new heart is not your old heart, meaning your new heart is not deceitful and wicked. Amen. Say it again. <laughs> yeah. Your new heart is not deceitful and wicked. That means you are not inherently deceitful and wicked. You have been made new. You legitimately are a new creature. You've been changed into a new kind of being. You are the righteousness of God in Christ if you've said yes to Jesus. Amen? Amen. But the problem is your thinking. And the way that you think is going to be what you live like. And unfortunately, because we live in such a scientific, carnal, and when I say carnal, I mean visible, observable, measurable world. You know, carnal just means meat. To be carnally minded is just meat-headed, pretty much. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like, it's, it's like Newtonian thinking, A plus B equals C, every action has an opposite and equal reaction, but you mix in the quantum element, and I'm not going there today. But, uh, <clears throat> but the, the problem is uh, our thinking and getting our thought life renewed. Because the truth is, your thoughts will betray you, won't they? I mean, for some of us, our thought life is a dark world. Isn't it? Very much can be. If you want to know the health of your thought life, what, what's it like going to bed for you? Laying there, falling asleep. Now, no condemnation, but I want to get real because, you know, we're Christians and the world out there is desperately needing to see what lives that have been changed by Christ look like. So there's a model and an example. Yes. Amen? Yes. You know, I mean, we need to live free from the guilt and shame. We need to leave, live free from the power of sin. We need to live free from constantly second-guessing if we're accepted with Christ or not and actually live within the salvation that we've been given, ambassadors for Christ. But if your thought life does not measure up to your spiritual identity, you'll just stay, you'll be pretty much the same as before you got saved. Struggling with the same issues, thinking the same ways, blaming God for the same things, you know, looking at the world, trying to figure out what's really going on. 
my goodness, if I get in one more, this, let me just tell you what's really going on video. Well, I'll tell you what's really going on. I mean, you can talk about the elites and the Bilderbergers and the New World Order, and you can talk about the, the guy that's getting checks from Russia and Ukraine, and you can talk about the guy that's wanting to take over this and do that and the soul catchers on the moon. You saw that one. Anybody seen the soul catchers on the moon, the dark side of the moon? Don't go there. Or... What's really going on is God's kingdom is increasing and advancing. That's the truth. That's the reality. That is the reality. And there is an enemy still running around, wreaking havoc. And of course there are people on this planet that would love to be God just like Satan wanted to exalt himself above the throne of God. That's what's really going on. You want, the, you want conspiracies? That's the ultimate conspiracy. The devil couldn't do it himself, so he's trying to go through humanity because humanity has authority on this planet. That's what's really going on. So don't get lost in all that. Well, let me tell you. I got you. Here's the... y'all, do y'all get those videos? Y'all watch that stuff? No. Yeah, you do. Don't lie to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll own that. I, yeah, I don't know. But, but, if, but if we really want to live this victorious life, a life that is pleasing to God because of the fruit, but not because you're wringing your hands trying to figure out how to keep God happy, you know, we want to live a life that's pleasing to God. But you got to realize when you live in who you are, influenced by His Spirit, you're well-pleasing to the Lord. You don't have to perform your way into pleasing God. God loves you. He did all the work to put you in a state that He is pleased with. But you need to renew your mind because then you'll live that way. Then you'll live within the power of your actual spiritual new identity. And it's not a subjective thing. It's not just this kind of nebulous idea. There, there's, there's mechanics to it. There's consistency to it. And this is the fourth message in this series. So if you're kind of just now jumping in, I invite you to go back and watch some of the previous series or, excuse me, messages in this series. But today I want to I drill down on this idea. You know, we're just talking about the idea of how to deal with negative thoughts. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you struggle with negative thoughts sometimes? I said, don't raise your hand. <laughs> I ain't fruit. But, but this idea here, Romans 8, 5, and 6, <clears throat> for those who live according... And, and let me just... Not every scripture is about whether or not you're saved. Okay? Your salvation is secure when you place your faith in Christ. Now, stay faithful. Keep believing. Don't reject Him. You're not, but you're not going to sin accidentally sin your way out of the kingdom. So when you read passages like this, we're talking about living in the inheritance that we have in Christ. Okay? So for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. That's, that's why those who live according to the flesh live according to the flesh, because their mind is set on things of the flesh. I mean, that doesn't take rocket science to figure it out. You don't have to be a rocket surgeon to figure that one out. 
For those who live according to flesh, they do so because they set their minds on things of the But, say but. Those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. Pretty simple. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Why? Because of this. Proverbs 23, 7, the first part, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So to be, spirit, to, to be carnally minded is death. Not produces death, but it is death. See, you were, those of you that have said yes to Jesus, uh, you were dead in your sin, but now you're alive in Christ. Say, I'm alive in Christ. I'm telling you, man, if you, if, you can just, if you can just get a hold of your thoughts and, and, and put on that truth, whenever you're running that pattern of negativity, whenever you're, let, whenever you're opening up your brain and saying, world, would you put some death in here, please? I'd like some death right about now. I, I feel too happy. Would you fill me with some death right now? That's what we do. That's what you're doing when you sit there and you look at the world and you let it affect you emotionally. You are eating death. I'm not saying stick your head in the sand and ignore the world, because we are to be discerning. You know, we are to be. Uh, what's the phrase? Wise as serpents. Wise as serpents. Thank you. Wise as serpents. Know the enemy. We need to know the enemy. I got this series called Know the Enemy, where we go through understanding the enemy's tactics but who you are in light of that. And I'm telling you, you know, do you realize what you let yourself think is shaping your life? Yes. It's kind of like food. Well, if I eat that, I'm going to feel like doo-doo. But I'm going to eat it anyway because it tastes good. <laughs> That's what our brain does. Ooh, I like that. I like thinking negative. I like thinking. I like this. I like because it's familiar. And it, and, it, and it gives me an excuse to not do anything. I like thinking negatively because it reinforces my victimhood. Come on. Death. It's not that thinking that way will lead you to death. You're in death. You're, you're in entropy tending toward even more and more chaos and destruction. The way that you think, it's no wonder that you're not experiencing the promises of God. Because you you're not open in your mind and your heart to go the way that He would lead you to go to experience that which He's already given you in Christ, but to walk into it in this life. The way some of you think, you will never walk into the good things that God has for you in this life. But, say but, you can change. It's called repentance. You can change the way that you think. And, and, you, don't, and, and, and you don't have to discern messages from a distant God on a distant throne. He's already given you so much to think about. And we go through, we went through several of these passages in the past weeks. You know, there's so much instruction on how to think and what to think about. It, and, and I've given you several put-off, put-on exercises. The Philippians 4-8 model, whatever's lovely, pure, good report, 
Think on these things. Think on these things. If you're sitting there and, you, and, and your future seems hopeless, well, good. Because now you know what the problem is. You're thinking and you can do something about it. Now, I'm not just saying you're going to think your way into positivity. And I'm not talking about the law of attraction where you're going to think something and then the universe is going to create it for you. More than anything, thinking, get, get this, okay? Get this. Thinking in alignment with the way that God says the world works and thinking in alignment with the way that God says to live, one of the main things that it does is it reconfigures how you think so that you're receptive to His leading. Are you with me? So the reason you need to change the way that you think is not to manifest your desires. The reason you need to change the way that you think is so that you become leadable to God who will give you the desires of your heart. Even better things that you can ask or even imagine according to His power that works in you. But you got to change the way that you think to get in alignment with the, His power that's working in you. You're not sitting there thinking, this trying to magnetize the world to bring something to you. Y'all read those books? You know, it's interesting. I think there's some, there's some reality to... Um, hum, human impact on the created world. I mean, you do look at these faith statements and Jesus said, you mean, we, our faith can move mountains, right? right. So, so there's a nuance between I'm going to think the world into my shape that I see in my heart. There's a difference between that and I'm going to get in alignment with God so that when I'm struggling... When I've got an important decision to make, I know what he thinks about it. And then when that word comes alive within me, I'm prepped. My, the soil of my heart is ready. My mind is in agreement. There's not anything. I'm not, I don't have this sin. See, because God will, God will inspire you to move in a direction that will bring about ridiculous blessing in your life. But if you've got sin in your life, you when he, when he moves towards you, no, there's, there's a guilt and there's a shame that's, that causes you to harden and not be able to be led by Him in that moment. That's why you got to stay out of sin. It hardens your heart. To the point that you might even reject Him, like the Israelites. I'm, I'm studying and prepping for teaching through the book of Hebrews, and it's the war, that's the warning. Don't harden your heart. Over and 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 over. Don't harden your heart. Stay out of sin because it hardens your heart. The warning in Hebrews is not there's a threshold of sin and maybe you're going to get to that one last sin and the God's going to say, that's enough, I'm done with you, you're out. It doesn't happen that way. But you might live in such a way in such rejection to God's leading and shaping and, and molding and graceful transformative hand in your life that you, you step away. That was the warning in Hebrews. Life or death, which one do you want? So this is a very simple thing you can do. Just be mindful of what's in your mind because it's going to bring death or life. You're, on, you're either right now, you're either on the path of death or life. Ask yourself, the way that I think, is it bringing death or is it bringing life? The way that I'm thinking about this situation, 
Am I? If God were to speak to me, would I say, mm, I don't know about that? Or would you say, oh man, yes, I see it, I see it. Amen? Are you with me? Do you see that? Oh, yeah. Get a hold of your thoughts. This is, this. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, if you can get this stuff, you're not changing yourself you're just taking responsibility over what's going on on the inside of you because the Spirit of God is in there trying to work, trying to shape you, trying to change your desires. And you just got to get into alignment. You just put yourself in a, in a situation to be influenced by Him. A couple more passages of what we've been talking about. Just a little bit of review. Romans 12, 2. Uh, be not conformed or shaped or molded by the things of this world, but be transformed, say transformed, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now what that saying is, renew your mind so that God can work His will through you. That's what God's trying to do. God's trying to establish His will in your life so that He would be glorified. And you've got to change the way that you think so that you're receptive to Him living out His will through you. Because that's what's happened. Christ is trying to live through you. I'm telling you, that, even that's a revelation. Jesus is in you. And He's trying to live through you. And He lives through you when you answer people. When you're speaking to somebody and you're paying attention to, you know, are you actually seeing this person and paying attention to whether or not they need prayer? Is there any way you can help them? Is there a way that you can show them kindness and compassion so that they themselves open their own heart to the Lord to be shaped and molded by Him? I mean, more than anything, that's what we are. We're points of contact for people to experience God. I mean, get over yourself and staying stuck in your, in your negativity. I mean, you're killing the people around you. How does renewing your mind transform you? It's because if you use the Word of God, see, because you can transform good or bad. Renewing your mind will transform you Death or life. It's the same thing. You know, to me, there's, it's interesting. This is a little mechanism in studying Scripture. When you start to notice concepts more than trying to understand just specific linear doctrine, then you, you step back and you realize, oh, if I have more of a conceptual understanding, I start to see pieces coming together. To me, this is the same thing. Being renewed uh, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, it's the same thing as um, setting your mind on things of the Spirit. That's the same thing. Renewing your mind is setting your mind on things of the Spirit. There's a little bit more packed into the Romans 8 aspect because, because it brings you to life. This is be transformed by the renewing of your mind, but the mechanism is the same inwardly. You can be transformed into a perfect image of death. You know anybody like that? You just don't even want to be around that person. It's exhausting. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, I'm doing it to myself. Yeah, you are. 
You just are. Don't you? Aren't you, don't you feel all warm and fuzzy? Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> but the, but but the the nuance of how uh, God sees this transformative process through mind renewal, the 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 powerful aspect is is in this here. For the Word of God is living and active. That's how you are transformed into a being that is resonating with God so that His will is established through you is because His Spirit's alive and active. His Word is alive and active in you. Are you a receptive vessel to host His Word to the point that God's will is just established in your life and in the world around you? I'm not going to put all the you know, dots and crosses on exactly what that looks like for you. That's your journey with the Holy Spirit. I'm just trying to give you a tool to master your mind. You don't have to be a victim of your thoughts. Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit. That's pretty deep. Where does soul and spirit divide? I, th I think technically if we were to map out a model, it's in the heart. It's in your inner being. The kind of being that you are, spirit, soul, body, down in that deepest part where the Word of God needs to be is between the spirit and soul, bridging that connection so that spirit is affecting soul because then everything else is affected. The Word of God is there. Living, knocking, hey, would you go this way? Would you think this way? And see, it's easy. All you got to do is get your thoughts in alignment. And it's like opening the door for the Spirit of God to just have His way in your life. Because you stop blocking Him from working in your life. You don't have to try to figure out how to get God to do things in your life. There is a fire hose of spirit waiting to just burst. And we have little cracks and creeps. Oh, you know, we have a little bit of hope. We pray a little bit. We have a little bit of insight, a little bit of revelation, a little bit of worship. I'm not saying do more. I'm just saying, man, be mindful of where you are in your thinking. It's so clear. So many passages about experiencing life based on the way that you think. Because God's in there. He's, he, he, he sees every little thing that you're dealing with. And not only that, Jesus became like us and dove into the depths of dark humanity. He became like us and overcame every power that we will ever face. And you can live in that victory. But you got to change the way you think. You got to change the way you think about yourself. Change the way you think about God. Change the way you think about sin. Change the way you think about your kids, money, the world around you. The Holy Spirit is alive and active. What's your role? Thank you for asking. <laughs> It's actively put on the new self. Ephesians 4.22, 24 
Put off your former way of life, so that way of living, your old self, which is corrupted and deceitful by its deceitful desires. We're not talking about you losing your salvation, and we're not talking about you at your core becoming a uh, deceitful and corrupted being. We're talking about the desires get corrupted and deceitful. What you want, what you crave, how you think, what you naturally lean toward. When you live the old way, you desire the old things. What's that got you so far? How's that working for you? Death, right? Put on, uh, put off, and uh, but to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, to put on, say put on, the new self. Can you put on what you don't have? You go in your closet. You put on what you already got, right? That's the journey. Put on patience. Put on peace. You, you have the power to arrest your thought processes in the moment of rage, get a hold of your thoughts to the degree that your entire physiology changes to where your inner state is peace and joy. And then kindness and compassion. You have the power to do that. You have the power to grab yourself on the inside to bring those thoughts captive. When you're facing sin, when you got this desire, when you're wanting to make that same poor decision over and over, well, I don't know why, it just keeps happening to me. I know why. You keep thinking the same way, which causes you to entertain the same options, which causes you to make the same decisions, which causes the exact same thing to happen to you over and over and over and over and over and over again. Well, I'm just a victim. I don't know. I prayed and God would... Okay. I don't know how to help you then. If you're, if, you're, if you're trying to convince me of why the Word of God doesn't work for you, which one's the problem with? And then, and then last week we went through this openbible.info exercise. I'm not going to go through that. You can go back and watch that. The bottom line is go there, search a topic, Read through the scriptures, rephrase them in the first person, develop yourself a first person confession script. Say it out loud until you feel it because it's already true of you. And then today, negative thoughts. What do you do with negative thoughts? You got to remember negative thoughts are transforming you too. You're never in neutral. You're moving toward death or life. That, that's kind of shocking, isn't it? Like, I just want to sit here and do nothing. Well, that's fine, but there's still something going on on the inside of you. And I'm not saying you got to constantly evaluate every single little thought, but in general, how you pay it, how you, you know, the, those deeper thoughts, and this is where in the coming weeks we're going to get down into the deeper heart aspects, which has to do more so with identity. The brain... Uh, I don't know that I understand everything that I know about this. You know what I mean? Like I know some things and I'm still gaining some understanding about it. But the brain in, in neuroscience seems to kind of preserve more of ego. In other words, uh, the things that you are in this created realm, whereas the heart tends to be more associated with identity. The thoughts of the heart seem to be more associated with uh, 
you know, who am I in this situation rather than what do I need to do or, you know, the difference between ego and identity. And so I, I will go into more of that stuff. But today, drilling down on this idea, Second uh, Corinthians 10.4 for the weapons. Now, um, just, just so you know, the context in 2 Corinthians 10, these passages here, Paul, Paul uh, is writing to the Corinthians, um, and he's addressing, I mean, my goodness, one of the things he's addressing is, like, think, think about this. Think about what kind of church you got to be in for Paul to have to out loud teach that you should not sleep with your father's wife. Anybody struggling with that? Yeah, don't raise your hand. For the love of God, don't raise your hand. Go talk to somebody else afterward. That's what he's talking about. And he's talking about all the weird philosophy. Imagine what somebody's justification and argument would be to justify that type of behavior. I mean, we deal with some, some of the darkest self-justifications that I see are people dealing with substance abuse and the self-deceptive spiral that they get themselves into. Uh, but that, that's pretty dark. So what, what Paul's doing is he's addressing his authority as an apostle. And he says it over and over in his life. I've been called by God. And he kind of has to reiterate that. You know, still early church. They're still, they're still kind of making it known the new structure of the new covenant and how the church is to operate and uh, the, the, the authority of the fivefold ministry. By the way, uh, uh, ministerial authority is not lordship or, or authority over one another. Just so you know, I have zero authority from God over you. There's, there's, there's one authority and that's Christ, Amen. Even though I might be whatever title you want to put on it, that's that is a position within the official structure of the body of Christ. That is not me having authority over you in between you and God. I don't have an anoint. No, no leader in the body of Christ has an anointing that causes them to have authority over you. That is a lie. That is a Gnostic deception that is still alive in the church and it's rampant in the charismatic church. And how many of you have been hurt and abused and <laughs> let me just, sorry, let me just keep going here. I'm, and, and I love the church, but, but we need to get away from that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just not accurate. So, so what he, so, so he's, he's talking about in context, uh, in life, dealing with the stuff that you hear out here, and it's like political thoughts and ideas, and well, this solution is this, and we need to do this for this solution, and oh, by the way, God is really this, and it's not Jesus, it's Jesus this, and all these weird philosophies and everything. That's a lot of what he's dealing with. But for our purposes, uh, he teaches some principles that can be personally applied. Are you with me? So if you go and you read it, you're like, wait a minute, it seems like he's talking about other. He is. He's talking about how you deal with the thoughts around you and arguments and philosophies, but it can be applied to your own thoughts too. And so that's what we're talking about here today. So 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 
Uh, for the weapons of our warfare, you ever feel like you're at war with yourself? I mean, really. For the weapons of our war, I just want you to know there's hope. You don't have to stay stuck that way. All the guys are like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm kidding. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not, you're not fighting. It's not force and reaction. You know, it's not, it's not A plus B equals C. It's not, I can fix this with, mm, you know, it, 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 it's, it's spiritual. It's a spiritual issue that we're dealing with here. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, a stronghold is not a, pow, uh, is, a stronghold is not a demon that has dug in. A stronghold is a lie or a belief or a philosophy that perverts the truth of God. A stronghold is a belief in your own heart. There might even be cultural strongholds. A man can become a woman is becoming a cultural stronghold. People are throwing their stake in the ground on something like that. And so what then happens is strongholds can attract demonic activity. And because we are spiritual beings, we are receptive to spiritual beings that will give spiritual messages that you hear. And so we can become hypnotized through suggestion of lie. That's how demons work. Demons can't just exercise forceful control over you. If you are open to that line of thinking, you will then become open to the oppression that they could bring into your life. But that's the only power that they have. They have zero authority. As soon as you mention the name of Jesus, they got to go. But be careful. Can a Christian have a demon? Well, I don't. to me, that's the wrong question. The question is, can a Christian believe a lie? Then, then yes, a Christian can be oppressed. We're, we, this, is, this, is, this will make you feel great. We believe demonic lies all the time. But, it, but it's, it's kind of like germs on your hands. You know, there's just stuff's always there. There's always lies. So, you know, the, the, the battle is not, let me go fight this big bad devil. As soon as you quit believing a lie, th then you have broken the suggestive power of that demon over you. It has no more capacity to do anything in your mind and have any more effect. You just, it, I'm just, no, I'm not, I'm not resonating on that frequency any longer. So it has broken. So the stronghold is the thinking, the belief uh, th that might attract a demon because unfortunately in some circles, as soon as you see the word stronghold, you think demon. But the stronghold that you might have a stronghold is, well, I can, uh, I, I, I can never, um, I'm always going to be broke. Your stronghold might be, well, you know, I just... I just always have this low-level sense of depression, and I'm just always going to be this way. Well, you know, this is just kind of the way that I think, so I'm just kind of scattered. Or, you know, whatever the stronghold is, it's, it's usually an erroneous self-portrait. That's the stronghold. And, and then it drives behavior, and you've got to tear that stuff down and rebuild it back with the identity of who you are in Christ. Actually, you just open your eyes to see who you are in Christ. That's the beautiful thing about it, is you're not trying to become something. 
You're just trying to get all the cobwebs out so that you see clearly that you are the workmanship of God. Yes. And if you believe that, then you're going to live that way. You don't have to make God do anything. He's not waiting for you to get it right to respond. Uh, so, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments or imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, or another translation is bring under control, to the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought, say every thought, Captive. You have the power to control your thoughts. Now, your thoughts are going to run wild, but you have the power to stop and recognize, this is where I'm at. And then when you recognize it, you ask yourself, is this death or life? Which one do I want? And it's shocking. Sometimes you're like, "Mm, this death's okay right now. I don't want to put the effort in to move toward life. Or we claim confusion. I don't know what to do. Okay. I, that, that may be valid. And, and I'm not the solution. And this church is not the solution. All I'm saying is, from Scripture, in this series, we've shown about four or five things that you can do using the Word of God that will, that will rob your excuse of confusion. So much instruction on what to think about, how to think and what to think about. Are you going to put it into practice? Not my methods, but what the Scripture says. Philippians 4.8 is just one of them. Philippians 4.8. Say Philippians 4.8. Go read it and do it. I'm telling you. Let me... Let me um, <clears throat> well, let's, let's keep going here. Th- this is... Just, just so that you know, if you go back and you read through this, this passage will confuse you. So we just read 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 5, and this is 6. It says, And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That's the part where he's talking about the, the, the role of the church and specifically because, he, because in this church is where the guy was sleeping with his father's wife. That's the kind of stuff that he's talking about. So get your thought and get your head right because you've got some stuff to deal with in the church. And, and it's interesting. He told them uh, in 1 Corinthians, get rid of that guy. And then in the beginning of the 2 Corinthians, the letter he sent later, he's like, mm, no, go get him and recover him. You may have never actually seen that. Go, go read it. Read the jump from 1 to 2 and watch where he... It's not that he... I mean, he probably did change his mind. Maybe he grew more compassionate and kind. I don't know. We don't really fully know, but he did change. Even that guy. No, let's move him toward recovery. It was first kick him out, but then it's recover. So anyway, that's what he's talking about, dealing with issues within the church. But relating it personally, um, watch how he frames... Okay, so what we're talking about is casting down imaginations. All right, so... Let's say you pr- you're praying. You want to see God move in your life. You want to see 
uh, blessing come into your life in whatever category it might be. You just want peace from depression, whatever it might be. You want to you want to be free from that temptation. You don't want to stay stuck in that sin habit, whatever it might be. Pay attention to what's going on in your mind because it will it will show you how you end up down the path into death. And if you can be honest with yourself and lean on the Spirit of God in that moment and you know how to renew your mind and you put the Word of God in there so that it's alive and living, man, I'm telling you, that is more powerful than the temptation. That's full-grown Christian stuff. And that power is in you. So do it. (laughs) Say, do it. Yes. So that's what he's talking about, casting down, you know, when you when the little excuses and the and the and the things of, well, I don't know, I just can't, I just I'm just not smart enough. I just I'm just confused. I don't know. Confusion is a choice. The word of God is there to eliminate the confusion. Go go find out what it says. Uh but he frames all of that in this, and I just think it's just a masterful kind of encapsulation of how to think about this process overall. He says, don't look at things according to the outward appearance. Or, or sorry, it's a question. Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ's, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ's, even so we are Christ's. So what he's doing is he's framing the, 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 the culmination of dealing with your thoughts in the context of identity. Where you start with is who is God, who am I in Him? Then you go to, this is, this is what God says I can have. This is my responsibility in this. You guys put me on the spot and we went through parenting last week. Right? But we've got a responsibility. And you're up for the challenge because the grace of God is alive and active on the inside of you. And that word, that that living word is in there helping you evaluate and judge and course correct the intents of your heart and your thoughts and what's going on in your mind. That's where life is lived. And that's where death or life is produced. God's trying to bring you to life. He's like, look, I said before you, blessing and cursing, life and death. Choose life. Go this way. And, um, sorry, I kind of skipped over this part, but this is the final point. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 again, casting down arguments and imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, say every thought, thought. into captivity or under control to the obedience of Christ. What's What's that talking about? Well, let's just look at the obedience of Christ for just a moment as we close here. Hebrews 2, 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. Jesus became like you. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release, say release, those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Then he jumps forward here. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to those who obey him. That's what it's bring. Bring your thoughts in captivity to that. 
what? That he became like you and that he can help you. Because see, that's what we question. That's really the problem. Do we really believe in that moment Jesus can help me? Do I really believe that Jesus is the solution in this moment? Do I really believe that the solution is in the Word of God? Do I really believe that this grace is available and alive and active to make a difference in my life? And do I believe it to the point that no matter what, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to fix my mind and my gaze on that until it's believable and produced in my life. Or you keep thinking and believing the same way because you know it's going to produce death. You don't have to even exercise any faith in that part. You know where it's going to go. But you don't want to put forth the effort to bring those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Because bringing your thoughts captive to what Christ was obedient to means you got to trust God until there's a change in you. And there will be every time, every time, every time. The grace of God will never fail. The Word of God will not return void. But your mind might be a void. You can live in victory because He became like you. There it is. Final thought. Just stand up with me if you would. Think about this passage for a moment. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he's able to aid those who are tempted. You might think, well, he's able. But in this moment, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of feeling... Uh, watch out for willing confusion. Watch out for willing confusion. You're going to be tempted to choose confusion. Meaning, well, I don't know what to do here. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Plant the Word of God. Hold on to it until it becomes your possible reality because it's already true of you. And it'll work every time. And I can feel it. So, well, where, where do I do that? Where do, how do I do it? The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. You just start with the thoughts. Get it in alignment. Do you believe He'll help you? Like, do you believe that Jesus is ready and willing to help you every time? This means you can live free from temptation. You can live free from that lure of sin that you think that you're just stuck in. Every time the grace of God is more powerful than that desire. And the more that you do it, uh, lean into God's grace, allow the Word of God to shape you by remembering that Jesus became like you and He suffered and there's a power. You're thinking, okay, Lord, okay, Lord, help, 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 help. He's like, All right. let, him, let, him, let Him speak to you. I, I know. I went through it myself. On that cross, I bore it all. I bore all of your temptation. I bore all the effect of your shame. I lived like a human. I know what it's like. Trust me, I can help you right now. Let 
my spirit help you in this moment? That's your choice. I don't know how to do that. Well, let him help you. Figure it out because the spirit's there. He'll teach you. He's the teacher. It's life or death because it's not just you getting what you want. It's the body of Christ glorifying God on this planet because there are people all over this planet dying and going to hell because they don't know Him. And we get to be stewards of our own mind to be in alignment with God so that God is glorified through us so that God desires. That's, that's all the way back to Abraham. God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your offspring ultimately through Christ because I want a nation of priests on this planet that know how to be blessed by me so that they'll be a blessing to the nations. You have a responsibility to the world to walk in God's blessings because that's how He said you would be attractive to the world to cause them to come to you to know God. And it has everything to do with what you allow to go on inside your mind and your heart. Amen? Father, we thank you. Thank you so much that your spirit's in there. I, 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 in, our, in, our, in our physical minds, we don't get it all, but in our spirits, we know all things because we have the mind of Christ. So I'm not going to choose confusion. I will not let confusion rob me from my responsibility of letting your word work in me. I'm not going to put, keep those same patterns that lead me to the same sin, the same temptation, the same negative thoughts, the same hopelessness, the same destructive behavior. It ends now because I can choose grace. And I trust you. And, I, and I'm asking you to help me to be right there with me at every moment. And I know that you are. This is my life now. This is my life now. I bring thoughts captive. Because of what you learn through your obedience to death you give me this power that you've gained, this inheritance. I'm a joint heir with you, and I trust you. Life and not death. Life and not death. And I, you know, I can, I can, I can just sense it in some of you. There's a, there's a, there's a hope, but then it start. It even starts right now. That pulling, you can feel it pulling you back. That's where it starts. That's the battle. So. You have to develop some mechanisms on the inside of you and in your mind that draws you back to, nope, I'm going to keep my eyes on a hopeful future. I don't, everything, every ounce of my emotion is telling me I can't do this. That right there is where I need to fight the battle. To get my mind on, nope, I'm going to think about this because that is the hope in the future that God has for me. Find a promise. Find something in Scripture. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know what this means. This means you've got to read your Bible. Will you do that? Our prayer team, come up if you would. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Did you get something out of this? Amen. Yeah. Be aware of what you got out of it. Be willing to put this into practice. Don't just come to church to listen. Come to church with the intention you're going to put this stuff into practice. When you read the Bible, don't just read it for information. Read it with the intention I'm going to get something out of it to do and put into practice and watch it change your life. It will. Amen.